this is your host, Debbie. Welcome to Gap Year for Grownups, a podcast for grownups who think that gap years should be a thing at any age. Speaking of any age, I thought we'd talk first about the genesis of my love for gap years, which is my own first gap year. I was 14 years old when my parents sent me to France, a very remote part of France in the mountains of the Massif Central. I was there for a full academic year, my ninth grade year, and I loved it. I learned to speak French and I discovered things about myself and things I didn't even know existed. I wanted to interview my mom, who organized and researched this whole thing, but due to her hearing issues, this proved complicated. So I talked with my dad instead. That's always a little dicey because he has a lot of opinions. It doesn't hurt to give somebody an advance notice about the questions because I may have to think for a minute. Dad, Go ahead. This is my podcast and it's much better if it's... All right, okay. But he was kind enough to help me reminisce and he had a few memories to share of his own about this special time in my life. Dad, thanks for coming on the podcast. I'll just ask you a couple of questions. Good. Well, okay. I know Mom really did most of the organizing for the year of sending me to France when I was 14 and going to school. So I'm just curious, what, what did, and it, which was, in fact, my first gap year, what was your involvement or what did you know about it or think about it? Can you give me the year again? Yeah. Well, it was 1966. Okay. All right. That's helpful. I was in the middle of some of the most time-consuming traveling financial things that I was doing as a partner of Love Rosen Company today, and therefore I really didn't know much about it except that I knew Mom had organized it, and I thought it was a great idea. It was going to give you a chance to do what my mother had wanted to do with us, but that was interfered by the war, uh, and you were going to be able to get a language and grow up, uh, and I was very happy about that. And then we uh, we dropped you off. Uh, and we drove away from the place, and we both burst into tears. Oh. And we said, my God, uh, that's the beginning of uh, age. Wait, whose age? Your age, our age. <laughs> that's so interesting you say that, because I never think of you and Mom as having cried about anything. So, And I can picture that winding road coming down the mountain from the Chambon Soulignon. We will, um, we left our baby girl, uh, uh, and bear in mind that your your siblings were, uh, they they were really babies then, and, uh, and you were our hopes and dreams. The, the, the crying after we left you off was something I do remember vividly, uh, and then there was something you had a thing about with the school about a boy or something I don't remember it at all, but it was a, a bit of a problem. Mom had to help unravel it. Oh. Oh, I remember that. Thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, I met... Um, thanks, but no this, thanks? Or what? <laughs> no, I, I was fine. I mean, I was extremely naive, and I uh, was very friendly with a girl who was a couple of, an American girl who was a couple of years older, and she knew these two guys, and she proposed that the four of us go to take the train and go to Paris for uh, the, one of the spring break or something. And I was very excited about it, so I wrote in a letter to Mom and you to tell her about it, how exciting this was, and then Mom made a phone call, which was unheard of in those days. This was a very remote... You were about 16, I guess. No, I was 15. 15, 15. okay. 
And I remember when the phone call came, because it was unheard of, and the directrice, she was very strict, older woman with a big bosom and a big bun high up on her head. She came and found me in study hall or something and led me back to the depths of the building. I'd never been there, some little room. And it was a big, old-fashioned black phone. And the receiver was, you know, on the desk waiting for me. And I picked it up. And Mom said, don't even think of it. It was very funny. <laughs> there you go. If you were in that place now with one of your, well, like imagine when your children were that age, what would you have said? Oh, the same thing. Absolutely. Okay. Well, that's, I wanted to get that on the record. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dad, I think this is this has been great. I hope you come back on the on the podcast again, and um, I just hope you do. Thank you so All much. All right. Thank you. All right. Okay. Bye bye. Good night. Thanks, Dad. So, what's in an eighteen-year-old's head when they go through a student gap year? Is it the same mentality as an adult gap year? where the focus is often on reinvention and a reset of your life. So I called my daughter, Eliza. Eliza is now a physician, a neonatologist, married and with four young children. She is the oldest of our three children, and we encouraged her to go on a student gap year before starting college. Today, she shares with us her thoughts about that year, reflecting back on how it felt when she was 18 I feel like I was like practicing being a grown-up in, in ways that were really fun. Like I would go to museums because I thought that's what grown-ups did. And then now, more than 20 years later, what's in her head on the topic of gap years? Hi, Eliza. Hi, Mom. Thank you so much for, for doing this and for coming on the show. You're welcome. Um, so we look back, because one of the reasons I'm taking this moment to chat with you, plus I'd like to hear your voice, is to find out what's in the head of a an 18-year-old uh, when she or he is thinking about a gap year before starting university. I'm wondering if any of it is the same as what's in an adult's mind thinking about a gap year, which is, oh, I need a refresh, I need a reset, I want to reinvent myself, I want to transform in some way. Can you Do you have any memories of that as you looked, as you started your gap year, what, what your goal was or what you thought would happen? I think what I remember is it definitely was not my idea. It was your idea. It was a great idea, but it was not my idea. And I remember, I think I felt everything the opposite of what you just described. I think I thought, oh, no, all my classmates are going to be graduating in the class of 99, and I'm going to be in the class of aught, aught, or 2000. I think we didn't know what it was going to be called then, what people were going to say. I'm a year behind. I'm a year off cycle. I'd been used my whole life to sort of being at the head of the pack and the head of the class, and I'm getting done with this first, and I'm finishing high school, and I'm going to college. And then you and Dad said, as I remember, like, you just got to put the brakes on and see the big picture. College is going to be there. You can go to college anytime. This is your one chance to go do stuff. And, boy, I wish I could do that again now. Maybe I will when I'm ready to retire. So I think I, I think that the head of a student is totally different. I felt I felt like you guys were putting, you know, I was dragging the parachute. You're putting on the brakes. I, I was trying to get ahead, and then I had to slow down. So interesting. So you felt sort of negative about it, or just uncomfortable, uneasy? I think just uncomfortable, uneasy. I don't. I don't think I felt negative. I mean, I think if I if I'd felt negative, I would have just said, 
no, I'm not going to do that. I think I'd, and I would have just gone to college, or, although I can't specifically recall if that was an option. Maybe I'd been deferred for a year, so it's like I couldn't have gone to college right away. Like, I had to figure out something to do for a year. But I didn't feel the world is my oyster. I can do anything I want. I was like, oh, all right, got to get through this before I can get on with it and go to college. Why do you feel differently now, as in clearly a grown-up? Because I think now I see that the achieving these endpoints is not really the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is to have a fantastic time as you meet these different milestones. So I no longer, I don't have another graduate degree in front of me, but I don't feel like back then it's like first you go to middle school and then you go to high school and then you go to college and then you go to graduate school and then you do your training. And it's just sort of like you're, you're ratcheting toward each of these achievements and now I now I realize like well the whole point here is to enjoy the ride as best you can. You still gotta get the achievements done too. What advice would you have for another grown up either in their early forties or in their fifties or as Dad and I were in our sixties contemplating a gap year? I think if you can pull it off, you should. I feel like I, I know some families who have kind of done it with young kids, although like they've put their jobs on hold and traveled around the world with little kids, which I find baffling from, I can't figure out like, well, what do they do about school? What do they do about tuition? Did they pay a year of tuition to hold a spot for their kids in school? Blah, 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 stuff that, you know, you don't have to worry about when you're a college kid or a, or an empty nester. But I, but sure, I think if you can do it, why not? You have one high point that you remember and you could share with us of your gap year. Uh, one high point of my gap year? I mean, the whole thing was kind of a high point. Just the, I felt so independent. I felt so grown up. I, I feel like I was like practicing being a grown up in in ways that were really fun. Like I would go to museums because I thought that's what grown ups did. But I also really enjoyed it. I remember taking a really long walk one day when I was living in France. Just this cool walk through the countryside kind of getting lost, kind of trying to ask for directions, but not really able to communicate with the person I asked for directions and not really understanding what they said. That was kind of fun. You don't get to do that very much anymore. You know, I didn't have a cell phone. I didn't. I probably just had some cash in my pocket. Probably wasn't a very good plan, but it all worked out. I love that story. I've never heard that story. Would you let your own children take a gap year between high school and college, university? Well, it's so hard. I mean... When I think about it and when I'm talking to you, I think the answer is yes. But my own kids are so young, I can't, I get worried about them walking around the block by themselves. So it's hard to wrap my head that far in the future that they would be, you know, traveling and living by themselves. But I'm sure, I'm sure the answer is yes. I'm sure I will encourage them. (laughs) That's a good answer. All right. Well, thank you so much. And to be continued later. To be continued. Bye-bye. Well, that was interesting. I thought I'd dig a little deeper, which is why I called Tim, my son. He's a corporate counsel, a lawyer for Google, and lives on the West Coast. He's married and has two children. He took my call and I asked him about his gap year before college. I discovered that he's actually turned into a serial gapper. Hi, Timothy. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. 
so gap years for students um, i wanted to talk to you to see if looking back low these many years you can remember what was in your head at age 18 i think you were 18 as you embarked on your student gap year before starting college and i mean the first thing i was going to ask you is do you happen to recall do you think it was our idea or your idea i definitely recall it being your idea you and dad thought that I wasn't ready for college maturity wise and said uh, at one point said, oh, maybe, you know, you could spend a, another year in high school effectively repeating senior year, which didn't sound appealing. And this was the alternative, which sounded very appealing. And also when I started talking to the sort of gap year counselor person who gave me a lot of different ideas about things I could do, that they sounded fun. So I was excited about it. Tell us a little bit in terms of, you know, thinking back on a high point, high points and possibly low points. The high points for me were how different it was and having a sense of freedom and independence that I hadn't had before in high school, which uh, had felt like a bit of a rat race and was stressful. It, it was and also I was always sort of, you know, I was working toward, towards a test for some adult and during the year off. I was, uh, I felt more like an adult in, in a way. In the first part of the year, or, or rather, I guess the second part of the year, I was in Spain living with a family, but really had a, a lot of freedom in terms of what I did every day. I was expected to go to school, but it was, no one was like monitoring whether I actually showed up. And uh, it felt like I could have played hooky every day, which I didn't actually do. But it just that sense of freedom was nice. And then another high point was in the first half of the year when I did the outdoorsy program that I did. Just having these moments of going outside my comfort zone in, in doing things like rock climbing or hiking and, and really backpacking in the wilderness and feeling like a great sense of accomplishment that I could do these things, which I had never even thought about doing and were in some ways felt sort of crazy compared to the kind of regular high school existence I'd had previously. So that sense of freedom and independence and accomplishment, I think, would have been the high point. Wow, that is so interesting. Your sister Eliza said almost the same thing. Do you, do you think you had any goals in your head, like I'm going to uh, have adventures and come out the other end as a new person, or is that not the way you think or you thought as a looking back as an 18 year old? I don't think I had goals really other than to enjoy the time and, and have fun and experience some new things. You know, I wanted to learn. So I went to Spain in part to learn Spanish. I hadn't really taken, actually I had not taken a single class of Spanish before that. So that was sort of an obvious goal. It was an immersive kind of program. I lived with a Spanish family, but that's kind of but I didn't really have any overarching or deeper goals, like I'm going to find myself or something like that, which probably speaks more to the mindset of an 18-year-old than anything. Do you think if you took a gap year now, or you would be different, a gap year as a grown-up? Yeah, I think I probably would think about things like um, finding myself, how I want to best use my time, mindfulness, things like that, which I wasn't as mindful of, of about 20 years ago. Yeah, I definitely I'd probably sit down and make a list and, and then think of ways to achieve the, the different goals. Have you ever thought about taking a gap year as a grown-up? But if not, 
now um, at age, I think you're 39 at some point in the future? Yeah, I never seriously considered it because it's not really a, an option with my current career um, as a lawyer at a company because people don't take sabbaticals or anything like that. But I've definitely thought uh, or seen what other people have done and thought, wow, that'd be really cool. And I'd love to, you know, travel and be fun to take the kids traveling and try some new things, but never really given it serious thought. I mean, it, now that we're talking about it, yeah, if I had a, for example, a job change, I don't know if I could take a full year off, but it would be fun to take time off. And then, yeah, later in life, uh, I fully expect to take many, many years of gap at some point. <laughs> So would you let your children take gap years before university or would you encourage them? Yeah, I think I would. I, so here's an example of uh, when I was in law school, I felt like the maturity level of the um, the students that had taken time off before going to law school was just palpable. And these people, they generally didn't take a gap year per se, which I kind of did actually. I just, I was teaching English in Japan. Uh, which is just something I wanted to do because I always wanted to live in Japan, but didn't expect it to last more than a year. And then I ended up traveling for much of that year anyway. But the, a lot of those people, what they did was work at a law firm or do some sort of other related internship or uh, entry-level job in the legal field before coming to law school. And it was hugely beneficial. And I, I had that experience going from high school to college, having that year off, I felt vastly more prepared on a maturity level and also uh, prepared to work hard because I had a time, some time off from the grind of high school. And then similarly took time off after college, as I said, before law school, which had a similar effect. So I, I, I would definitely encourage my kids to do it. You know, I forgot, just been was remembering as we're speaking, that you actually did take a second gap year between college or university and um, graduate school, in your case, law school sort of forgotten about that. Well, any words of advice for adults who may be listening and contemplating a, a grown-up gap year? Um, well, first of all, I, I also took a gap six weeks between my first job out of law school, which was really my first job, and my second job. And I traveled around the world with my then-girlfriend, now-wife. So that was only six weeks, not a year. But I, I definitely would just encourage people to take as many gap years as they can, or, or even shorter periods. For me, uh, travel has always been something I've not only enjoyed, but felt like I've really grown from. And uh, just trying different things. I mean, you can do, for example, one of these outdoor programs for a week or three weeks, and just kind of like get into a different headspace entirely. In fact, I started doing this week-long bike trip with a friend in the backcountry. We started last year, and we're going to keep doing it for the next probably six or seven years, hopefully, if we do the whole uh, length of this route from Canada to Mexico. And I think that kind of experience in only a week can be very rejuvenating. So I would just take advantage of these kinds of things as much as possible. Um, oftentimes between jobs is a good opportunity. But any anything, any opportunity like that that comes up, I think is great. Well, it's wonderful to hear you reflecting back on the different gaps you've taken and, and wondering if as a parent we had any role in that, at least just maybe even in encouraging you. But then I think you said, it sounds to me like you're a, a perpetual gapper and that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think you probably did have a big effect actually because this is a pretty unusual and I still sort of laugh about it when I think back, but after your experience at 
uh, College 7 all you encouraged me to do that for a few weeks in my the summer before ninth grade. And I still cannot imagine why I ever agreed to do that, except that I was a stupid kid who was 13 or 14. <laughs> and, uh, and that was great because that sort of was the first experience I had like that. And it was generally a great experience. And I think from then on, I was much more open to the idea. Well, that, that's a neat story. Well, I'm going to let you get back to work there. Thank you so much for joining me on this podcast. Thanks for having me. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. And lastly, I talked to my younger daughter, Amanda, who is the youngest of our three children. Amanda is a busy surgeon in Boston, so she sent me her thoughts. The similarities between Tim and Eliza's experiences were striking. I was curious if Amanda had had the same experience. What was her mindset at age 18? I actually didn't want to take a year off. I thought I was ready to just go to college. I already knew that I wanted to be a surgeon. But my dad said, you can do anything you want to do. And I did end up taking the gap year, mostly because I think my parents pretty much told me that was what was going to happen. But I wouldn't change anything. I spent the fall semester in Florence going to art school, which was something I figured I would never have time to do again, and I haven't. Um, I studied watercolor and photography. I lived with three girls in an apartment, and I did not learn Italian. It was also the year of 9-11, and I remember that day very clearly. Um, When the news started trickling in, we all crowded into one of the rooms in the art school, and someone was translating for us. We were taking turns calling home, and the lines were all busy, and it was hard to get through. But I finally got through to my dad at work, and in his doctor office voice, he told me that my mom was at my aunt's apartment, which was actually very close to the towers, but he hadn't heard from her yet. And when I asked some follow-up questions, he pretty much said he just had to go back to work. My mom woke me up that night at about 2 a.m. to say that she was fine and to apologize for my dad, who she said she thought was just nervous. But because of 9-11, all of the American travel programs were closed, and it was a little bit more challenging to figure out what my plan would be for the spring. I knew I wanted to do something more adventurous, and I thought I wanted to have some kind of experience in medicine. And I don't really remember all the places that I proposed to my parents, but... One of them was India, where my mom had gone on a business trip, and so she felt comfortable that I would be safe as a female there that year. Um, I ended up volunteering at an all-girls Muslim boarding school and the associated um, nursing school for several months, and then I spent a week in a leprosy clinic and a week shadowing a surgeon in a small town in southern India. There were two other girls um, at the boarding school that I became friends with. And after a couple months of volunteering, we started traveling up the West Coast with the goal of getting back to Mumbai, where we were going to fly home from. And at this point, I was kind of loving living out of a backpack and not knowing what I was going to do from day to day. We spent a week living in a treehouse on a beach, which I think cost about 50 cents a day. And my mom was going to come visit me, but I didn't want her to because I just wanted to travel with friends and continue traveling treehouse style. So I remember calling home to tell my parents that we were at a hill station because it had gotten very hot. 
and it was pouring rain. I was using the payphone and it was kind of this open face cement shelter. And I was standing there looking out at the rain and I was telling my dad that I didn't want my mom to come visit. And I could hear her expressing her dismay in the background. And I'm probably going to sound like a jerk here, but um, hopefully it will come off as independent spirit. But I told my dad, well, I have a lot of money left. So we could either all agree that this is the plan and I'll keep telling you where I am or I'll just disappear and come home when my money runs out. So my dad didn't really appreciate that negotiating strategy, but he did appease my mother and she did not come visit. And I did continue to tell him where I was. When I did come home, I had lost the summer job that I'd lined up for myself because I had stayed over a month longer traveling. And I felt kind of thrown off, I guess, and maybe even had an element of culture shock, which seems a little absurd to say. But I didn't want to go back to school. I actually wanted to travel around the world, although I don't think I told my parents that. But my brother must have felt similarly, and my mom must have sensed something because she sat me down and said, I want to tell you something that I told Timothy after his gap year, which is that you're going to school in the fall and it's not a discussion. And I kind of thought, okay. And I guess I want to say thank you, mom. That was probably one of your best parenting decisions. I'm glad that I did go to college and didn't just drift off. And thank you, mom and dad, for the year because it was incredible and I wouldn't change anything. You're welcome, Amanda. I'm glad you got to experience so many things. And I love that some of them, like the leprosy clinic and following a doctor around, relate to your life now. I'm also glad you did go to college. And thank you to all the guests, meaning my family, on this first episode of the Gap Year for Grownups podcast. It seems there really is a difference between a student gap year and an adult gap year. It's a different mindset, which makes sense because these are such different stages of life. Having said that, I'm sure that there are as many types of gap years as there are gappers. I now realize I've gone through different kinds of gap years myself. And at this point, I consider myself something of a professional gapper. I hope this podcast will encourage everyone listening to slow down, to take time for reflection, and to consider a timeout or a gap year. That's a wrap for this episode of Gap Year for Grownups. I hope you'll leave a review on iTunes and tell all your friends. You can reach us by email at thegapyearpodcast at gmail.com. And remember, however you want to reimagine your life, now is the moment. Don't wait. This is Debbie, your host. Till next time.